Hey, everybody, and welcome into the New England Ski Journal's Base Camp Podcast. I am your host, Eric Glober. I am uh, remote for the first time in this podcast. I am joined by my co-host, Mike Speechin, who is also remote. Mike, how you doing? How's the rehab going? And how are we the holidays? Eric, things are fantastic. Rehab is on track. It's actually accelerating. I'm, I'm even stunned. And so I'm going to tell everybody, all the listeners, if anybody ever plans to have a full knee, I'm going to give you the surgeon. I basically have virtually no scar on my knee right now. It's, wow. it's, it's unbelievable. That's a- yeah, but PT is going great. I'm spending about 60 minutes on the bike trainer every day now. And that's six weeks almost to the day in. All right. So- Good for you. Yeah, I, I feel really on track to be on snow Feb 1. I told my wife today that I might have to go up to McIntyre before I go to Utah and climb it on my climbing skis and Absolutely. ski a run or two. Sure. And, and she goes, well, we'll talk about it. <laughs> but, no. I, know, I, I know we kind of rolled our eyes at the whole Aaron Rodgers coming back early from his Achilles injury, but there is something to be said about modern medicine and the doctors that practice it and what we've, what they've accomplished over the past 25 years or so versus 30 years ago, this injury could have cost you the season entirely, if not plus that. So it's just, it's amazing sometimes when you step back and look at it from that perspective that, or if you're experiencing it firsthand, that you're like, wow, this is, I didn't expect it to be not this easy, but this sort of quick and effective, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, first off, I'll tell you, it ain't easy. It's quick. Yeah, it is a full-time job to rehab these things. And if you want it, you got to have goals and you've got to want it. But you, you just talked about the ski season. It's It's been an interesting year so far because, boy, I thought I was the sacrificial lamb for everybody in northern Vermont as they were skiing powder and sugar bush 60 inches Stowe, 70 inches, Jay, 80, 90 inches. And I was like, oh, maybe it wasn't the right time to choose to have this done. But, (laughs) oh, my God. If you remember back, we were talking as we were going into this season, what I wish for this season. I didn't care that it was the most snow. I cared that we had consistency. And this is two years in a row where we just cannot catch a break. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a member of a message board, Alpine Zone, and there's a, a thread from, I think, 2020 it started. Does it blank, 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 hot rain every single year be- right before Christmas? And that's 2020, 21, 22, and now 23, that thread has been active, which is saying something that every single year we're going through the same sort of pattern, the same sort of weather. It's discouraging and especially discouraging this year, considering the starts we are having, like you just mentioned, but look like Shangri-La up in Northern Vermont. And and now it's everybody's fighting to to wait for cold temperatures so they can sort of recover themselves and, and start making snow. Temperatures agreed for a little bit and then they went up and now we're in a rain pattern again. By the time this podcast airs, there's some thought that maybe there's a front moving in from the South, but who knows? It, it, it could mean it could mean nothing. It could mean everything. So once again, we've gone from this A plus start to the ski season to 
sort of back waiting in the wings and reminding ourselves that it is very early. We're at the turn of the year. 2024 has just begun. We're days into it. So patience. But there is also that sort of angst that what if the next one comes and then we get this again for another two weeks? Or what if it's for a long stretch of this through February vacation again? I'm sure like the the resorts, I'm sure, got, got hit hard during Christmas break because I'm sure not everyone went. I'm sure there were cancellations, whether that was because of fear of what was going to be at the resort or someone's home themselves in one of those states or down in Massachusetts or Connecticut or Rhode Island was damaged where they couldn't get away. So I can understand. I'd be fascinated to see what the numbers are released in probably in a couple of days. Hopefully we'll have them for you on skijournal.com to see how affected the slopes really were. Well, yeah, it, well I, can, just, I can tell you they were affected and affected really bad. And look, it hurts to see an Epic Resort, an Altera Resort, or the Independence because they got nailed. If anybody looked at any webcam, it was ski on to lift, midweek skiing everywhere. There wasn't, there wasn't anybody there. The cancellations were huge. I talked to people throughout New England. But the the other thing that really hurts even more is all the small businesses that depend on it. And this window of opportunity, we've talked about it, has shrunk. And it's it's an important thing to support your local retailer. So even the retailers down here in the flatlands or in the mountains, they expect to do business during the Christmas season. Please, please, please don't go online and buy right now. Everybody needs your support. So if you need that face mask, the balaclava, the helmet, go to your local shop and and buy. Because, look, these guys weren't expecting to have Christmas week washed away. And I've been there as a retailer. So it it hurts and you, you take it on the chin. But you know what, though? On the positive side, there was some incredible news out of Austria. And we did a lot of talking last year about the goat. Yep. The goat is shooting for a hundred right now. It is crazy. 92 and 93 with huge margins in the giant slalom and slalom. I, I think last year we had this conversation and I ended up sounding very much like Ned Slanders about goats and like, why we, why, why does someone have to be the goat? Can't we just all get along? There's no denying it. Like, whether or not you like the, 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 the vernacular of goat, greatest of all time, it's Michaela Schiffering. Hands down, slam dunk, no question. She's the best skier that has ever lived. Now, can I say she's the best skier that ever lived and compare her to say, I don't know, Glenn Plake? No, it's completely well, different. I want to qualify that for you. Okay. She is the best ski racer because the Doug Coombs of the world, Michaela that was, isn't. That was another one the, I was going to bring up. Yeah, or Shane McConkey. There were great skiers, but nobody in a race course ever through the mayors, Bodie, Bill Johnson, whoever, right. nobody's ever done what she has done. The technical skill it takes that other great skiers will never even begin to realize is phenomenal. Well, I, if, you want, if you want to be a real eye-opener, Go pull up the results, the points by discipline. Michaela has points, and 
good points in all four disciplines. Yeah, and now she's taking down she's taking downhills. So exactly, what do the other racers have going for him at this point? Right, it's like Jordan at at his at his peak. Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's athletes, but she is truly, you know, there's only one Tom Brady. We we got to admit that at this point, but I don't think anybody, I, I I just don't see it happening to say stay healthy and everything else. Anybody will ever push a hundred. World Cup ski victories again. And unfortunately, maybe it'll be because we won't have a, that many races because of climate change, but more so, she is that incredible. She is. It, it, it's unreal to watch. And it's amazing just to, to, I wake up and I check my phone and, and I'll see like if she's overseas, like a friend of mine will have tweeted like she won again. And it's like, I can't believe it. Like it's like an, it's like a, a daily occurrence that she's winning a race somewhere in the world. So and and, and not by, not, not close, but oh, yeah. second and a half. Yeah. I mean that's that's unheard of in technical yeah. discipline. Now now she is not just winning the races; she is rewarding the rest of the competition away. It's quite remarkable to to see where where's her number going to end up. She's She's very, very south of 30 still. So, I mean, the, 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 the sky's the limit. The sky until, is and, the limit. Until she finds out that she'll get married at some point and she'll mm-hmm. find out that some resort, more than likely in Europe, but maybe in the U.S., is going to give her such a contract to be their ambassador that yep. she'll say, why not just go ski now? We They'll be that replace, day. Uh, Scott Schmidt at Yellowstone and take care of Tom Brady, right? Uh, you know what? There you go. But well, one one last thing on Michaela. Just think, uh, if Tamba had won that many races, Michaela is so humble, right. so low key. What would Tamba be like if he had ninety two or ninety three races? He'd be Deion Sanders. Of, oh yeah, of, there we, there we go. For sure. That that sort of like that persona that could really take skiing to another level, right? Like Dion is. He's a whole character, a persona on himself. Hate him or love him. You got to admit that he brings an energy. And Tomba did that too. And he definitely did that for skiing. Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to say not to talk football, but Dion did it for four games. Then they blew up. <laughs> okay. Let's... That is true. But you know, we'll see where it goes, right? I mean, I, I think he built quite a program at the first school he was at. The reason why he left, that's all up in the air. That's very controversial. But I'm not saying that everything's on the way up and up with Dion, that everything's great and, and he's going to be a success there. But for one year, he gets a C plus, I guess. Okay. So that's not bad. Well, today, today, Eric, we're doing something a little unique because I don't think we've ever not had a guest on. We haven't. No, we've, we've been a guest driven show and it's been great because the guests we've gotten have been so worthwhile and so willing to come on. Because I think that, one, we've created a rapport that is very kind of down to earth. There's nothing really threatening right here unless I get have to really bury my Jeep into a story. But that's not going to happen. And it's, it's, it's neat to kind of just kind of sit here and talk a little bit about something we did in the magazine this year. I think we talked earlier this year about how in the fall, one of the, my favorite points was when the Steam magazines came in. And there was the gear issue. And then it was followed by the best of issue, which gave you the top 50 resorts. 
And there are always a little bunch of silly things and why this one didn't win this and why wasn't my mountain number one over number two or when it created like this discussion of, of ski areas across the nation. And so we decided for the first time to do it ourselves in the ski journal. And so I want to run some of the categories by you just to kind of talk what our voters discovered, what, what we ended up doing was in the, in the fall, we sent out a survey, a, a spreadsheet to a number of different voters, ski industry reps, journalists, et cetera, et cetera. And they ranked different ski areas ba based on a number of different categories. We compiled all the results and we presented the top five of each category in the magazine. So I want to talk about some of the categories we have. I want to talk about some of your favorite ones in each category to sort of spark the discussion about our favorites in New England, right? Like not just so much well when, but you know, what we decide or what we think are some of our favorites. So for instance, one of our first categories, if I'm looking for terrain variety, uh, a place with a lot where, you know, I can bring my kids, I can bring my wife, I can bring, you know, the next door neighbors and we could all still have a good time. Uh, Killington was number one. And I think that's with good reason. With that said, what are some of your other choices for terrain variety? What what do you think should be in the top five? So it's it's kind of kind of interesting you ask that. For, first off, to all the listeners, I have I have seen none of these results. So this is the first time I am hearing of them. You're and not this, reading the New England Ski Journal dot com. I have not seen them. Okay, I have to. I've been rehabbing. So I I think if I had to take terrain variety. And I would throw another glitch into that, not only terrain variety, but ease of use of that terrain variety. Boy, Sugarloaf is way up there. Sugarloaf finished number three, right behind Sunday River. Stowe and JP are in the top five. Others receiving high grades, Loon, Cannon, Burke, Wildcat, and Saddleback, which I think is, Saddleback comes up a lot in these, in these results for different reasons. But I think the voters got it right in that one with Killington. You can't really go wrong saying that that variety is tops. Now, family skiing. The places can be a family ski place, right? I mean, it's not like short of Mad River Glen, maybe, or Magic. I think every place has pretty much got some sort of niche for family skiing. But what do you think is one of the top places in New England? I mean, there are two that come immediately to mind. And I'm going to guarantee you that you guess one of those two, either flip-flop, one or the other. Well, when it comes to family skiing, it, it's kind of interesting because family skiing, to me, might be massively different to other people. Family right. skiing, to me, is to a, allow a, a child or beginner to have a spot to ski and an intermediate but be able to get back to the family easily without being without being on the other side of the world. Correct. Uh, biggest 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 problem with the Sunday River, which is a great ski area, is that you could be at one end and you can't get back across easy, or you get lost. Killington, if you don't know how to use the mountain, it's the same thing. So, family skiing to me, I think Bretton Woods is a phenomenal family skiing area because it all comes back into that center. Gunstock, 
phenomenal. Waterville, phenomenal. Because they do have separated areas, but you're funneled back. You're not going to end up at a lodge and go, where's mom and dad? Right. Correct. And you're absolutely right. Bretton Woods finished uh, top in the votes, followed by Smuggler's Notch. And I think we all know Smuggler's Notch's reputation of a family resort. One of the best. Yep, absolutely. Cranmore Mountain Resort going through a major rebuild with the Fairbank Lodge just opening over Christmas break. Burke Mountain Resort and King Pine, which if you brought your family to King Pine, it's one, a, a great place. My, all my kids have taken lessons at King Pine. They've all, they've all taken lessons at Bretton Woods and Swampers Notch and Cranmore. But at King Pine, they've been multiple times because of the ease, right? Like you just let the kids ski right out the door. And, and as a parent, you sit there and watch them to the deck. Um, for youngsters, it's a great place to learn to stay. Well, the good, the good thing about smugglers is that you've got Morse and you can let the kids, the beginners run on Morse. The adverse thing about smugglers is that Madonna and Sterling are pulled away a little bit. But as for kids programs, I did my internship there. They built their reputation on kids programs and they have the whole shebang. Now, this next category we discussed in an earlier podcast, it's Killington, that won for best for snowmaking. And you had a great argument about this because you said it's just all power, right? It's just showing your muscle. And that Wachusett should have gotten more consideration at number one. Wachusett did not finish number four in the, in the category. But I totally agree with you after thinking about it, right? Because Killington has that ability it gets cold enough up there to make snow so it is just a matter of throw as many guns as you can at the product that shouldn't take away from you right but it does sort of tilt in Wachusett's favor like that maybe we should take what they're doing a little bit more serious and the fact that they are producing skiable terrain particularly in the weather we've been having here in Massachusetts is quite literally remarkable so the, the snowmaking system that they've got on hand there has been probably tops in New England for the past half decade or so. Uh, and it continues to produce. Oh, they, you know what? The Crawleys, Jeff Crawley has an incredible program there. And watching the webcams, which when you're, when you're sitting at home rehabbing a knee, what do you do? You watch, you look at web <laughs> to see what they're doing, but we've left one out that who probably has the most terrain open of their available terrain in New England right now. Loon. Not even close. Who is it? Not even close. Pat's Peak. We Pat's forget Peak. about Pat's Peak. And the quality. Pat's Peak did receive a, was among the top boat getters. Just on yeah. the top five. So we, we forget about Pat's Peak. And then you got to look down into Connecticut. Those guys, the Mount Southingtons, yep. the Sundowns, those guys, how do you survive down there? When they're getting four inches of rain. Well, Southington just got a brand new system that they put in this year. So I'm, I'm interested to check out and see how that been treating them. Like we, we saw, we started with, well, I can't think of the name of the ski resort, the first to open in, in America. Oh, a base um, or Ward. 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 Oh, Ward. oh, I heard you say it. Well, I heard I you say the first in America. Well, because if I said it my way, it would have gone. We'd have to go like around three different blocks to explain what I was trying to say. So I just wanted to get there directly. Like that sort of system in bringing that in in an age like we're living in now 
is so important, particularly for not just the ski areas, but like you said, the business that sits around the restaurants and the retail shops around the resorts that were hurting after the holiday weekend. Oh, yes. holiday period. Yes, you're right on. But and if you want to go look at Southington's snowmaking power, I challenge you to go down there on a high school race night and watch the machine that they are. Because there, the whole state of Connecticut ends up at Southington for high school race night. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go ski Connecticut in the next few weeks. I've never skied the, the Nutmeg State, so I'm kind of looking forward to that experience. Best for grooming was Mad River Glen. No, I'm just kidding. It was Okimo, Okimo Mountain Resort. Finished number one. Bretton Woods, Sunny River, Waterville, and Killington. All the top. I mean, I think Okimo, Bretton Woods, and Sunday River have all, long been known for producing corduroy. Which is, if you're into that, I love it. I most of the time like to get away from the grooming, but if it's first thing in the morning and you're trying to work out the kinks, a nice, great, great groomer that have just been, been groomed is one of the greatest things you can do. You know what? On that, I don't want to do it all day. That's all. I, on that crisp morning, when, when it's groomed out, look, look, it's, it's all you got right now, just so you know. <laughs> but on that crisp morning, when you're just laying them out, there is something super special about a true carved turn. Everybody's, I'm sorry, I'll go on the record right here. People skiing 90, 96s, 100s, 104 waist skis, you can't carve them. They're not carvable. You're, it's ergonomically, and it's doing damage to our knees. Everybody needs in their quiver an 80 or under ski to allow you to feel the sensation of Evenly weighting the ski and carving through the turn. I love grim terrain when it's when it's that good. Nice, and yeah, it, it's you can tell the difference when it's chunky and it's got that, tree. or when it's just got that smooth butter oh. sensation. It is completely different, right? Like, and and that's one of the things. Like east to west skiing, that's one thing you'll definitely notice a lot more skiing out west is that the buttery groomers are a lot more fluid and just well take take killington for example the sky peak quad bear mountain gets the sun first that's where you go in the morning Mm -hmm. so the sun comes up it hits it it's cold in the morning in february and by the time you hit it it's just totally carvable it is the most incredible sensation down underneath that quad Mm. that's juice that's for a challenge if you want to challenge where are you going Ooh, best for challenge. I'm a steep skier. I'm a tree skier. Is Tuckerman's part of it? Tuckerman's is not part of it. Oh, I tried. Okay. Yeah. Now, if if it steeps, Mad River, Sugarbush, Stowe, Magic. J-Peak. J-Peak. Mad really? River, for some reason, is not on the top five, and I don't understand it, how that happened. And someone else had made this argument to me. Sugarbush is not on this top five either. That Sugarbush is not on these results a lot. And looking back on it, that's a complaint that I, I think that person is legit at saying. Why is there not a lot of Sugarbush on here? It's quite surprising to me because I remember I was one of the voters and I definitely did not vote for Sugarbush in a lot of categories. So the fact that we're seeing some things like Best for a Challenge and, and Wildcat is up there, which is great. Bolton Valley can be good for a challenge, but Bolton Valley versus Mad River Glen or Bolton Valley versus Magic 
it's not really comparable. So I think that this one, this category, I think some of the voters get a little bit skewed. I'm not in totally agreement with a lot of this. One. Well, well, what is challenge? Okay. I have well, seen. I know it, it's, of course, cha- well, your challenge is my challenge is that person's challenge. But, you know, when we're talking in general, I mean, it, it, you would think that Madeline for Glenn comes to the top of mind when you think of a challenge. Well, yeah, because f- first off, you've got a single chair going up. And you've got some serious steeps coming down. There's no easy way. And we we know they don't make as much snow. Mm-hmm. So you're you're at the mercy of nature. Same thing with Sugarbush had a lot of terrain open. If you read their snow reports recently, they point blank said we are trying to keep as much terrain open as possible for you, even though some of it you better be able to ski. I, I think that's kind of funny because I don't, I have skied virtually everything in New England. Virtually. I haven't skied mm. King Pine and I have to go see Tom. But when, when you look at a sugarloaf, these snow fields, as steep as they come, if you've never skied them, uh, little pucker factor for anybody that isn't used to steep skiing. And, and then it branches right into Bracket Basin. I mean, I don't know if you can get more challenging than that anywhere, especially the steeps up top. Stow off the chin and stuff. Goat, star. I'm sorry, Jay. I love Jay to death, but Jay is not the toughest hill in New England. (laughs) They have tough spots. They've got great trees. They've got the best snow. But I would put all of those others above it. What about lifts? If you want reliable lifts and you want lifts that are going to take you to a variety of terrain, who do you think would come up top there? Oh, reliable lifts. Um, you know, that, that's a, that's a tough one because we have wind holds and everything else that play a factor on a lot of these lifts. Right. I mean, let me me break into that wildcat, which I love the wildcat express. I think it's the, I think it's one of the best lifts in New England. I agree. The wind, the wind hold on that thing, it should not be landing at number three in this top five category. I don't understand how that happened, but I do love that lift, right? When that lift is running, it brings you to some of the most varied terrain of, of, of any lift in New England. Killington came up for number one, which I can say because they've got a lot of lifts, right? So it's going it's to suffice to a lot of different parties. And you can get away from crowds out of those lifts if you want to. If you stay away from the gondola. You can you can branch out to lifts that normally are not overly busy. Yep. Others receiving high grades, Loon. I think Loon has to finish with high grades because if, if Loon didn't have an effective lift running system, it'd be uh, even more of a nightmare than it can be there on an average winter weekend. But all of these things are a little subjective. And once mm-hmm. again, I love Loon to death. I love the gr- crew up there. But they also have the worst base lift in New England, being the gondola, because there's too many people for what the gondola can handle. The yep. new new qu- eight-pack, totally different game. All right, parking. Who do you think has the best parking in New England? Magic. Or ski area. Magic. I can, I can pull up and I can almost stumble onto the lift. <laughs> I think that's why Berkshire East finished number one. Um, Berkshire East, same, same Berkshire thing. East Way to go, Shapers. One, but the same kind of thing, right? You pull in. You you snap in the boots and then you're you're off. 
So that is up top. And worse for parking. You, you, hold on. Be the best part about Berkshire East when you park, mm-hmm. you can park almost on the slope. And rather than walk up that little hill, you hop on the magic carpet that is sitting right there next to the parking lot. Believe I've it or never, not. I've, ne- I've never done that. Now you no. want to go, don't you? Yeah. I, well, I'm going to be going in the next couple of weeks. So I'm going to check that out. Worse for parking, I, I I dare you to guess who finished first. Worse for parking. It's the only one that anyone talks about. Still. There you go. Still. I mean, well, no it's, surprise there. Well, it, it's because there's not enough day parking. Okay. Have you, yeah. uh, when you, I, I the, haven't paid, I, I have parked there, but I haven't been there on a day when I'm at the park. But I've had to pay. Right. When, a, I've, a, when I've had to pay. Right. A weekend or whatever. Forget about the pay part of it. Mm-hmm. The the parking lot at Mansfield is just not big enough to handle the crowds they get with the Epic Pass, especially. Yeah. And as far as the parking lot itself, it's yep. great. Right there, you've got the, the stairs of death to handle. But beyond that, it's not that bad. It's just the pay. Waterville, well, with, bad, bad marks. With, with that being said, I wish Stowe would take a sort of a page out of Stratton. You know how Stratton is. You've got the parking at the parking garages and stuff or at Sun Bowl, but they've got offsite parking with continuous shuttles. shuttles. I think that works very well. And I've been at Stratton when it's been overwhelmed. Well, they finished number three for worse parking, by the way. Well, but, but I agree with you. It does work a lot better, right? It do, mm-hmm. If you're expecting it in the first place, that's one thing. And, and, I, and I think a lot of these like little problems being problems that we deal with here and there if we're expecting them in the first place they're a lot easier to deal with sure best for glades where are you going for tree skiing best glades mm-hmm. that's where j peak rules yep that's j peak that's where j peak rules 100 percent. followed by sugarloaf cannon burke and bolton valley again i think that madeline for glenn should have been much higher sugarbush should have been higher wildcat just goes to show you, there are so many places to 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 well to go the, to, to experience that sort of great tree skiing. It's kind of funny that you mentioned that. I'm a I'm a Burke fan. I yep. love the trees at Burke. I've I know lines at Burke that nobody would ever go in or knew about. But Burke isn't. They've got some great glades, but there aren't a lot of them. Cannon mm-hmm. has some great glades, but not a lot of them. You go right. to Sugarbush, where they're everywhere. You go to Killington. Where they're Stowe. everywhere. Bolton Valley. Uh, yep. I mean, Stowe. Yep. What, what about, I think that's kind of, kind of interesting because, and then Saddleback and Sugarloaf with what they've cut are incredible. Yes. Sugarloaf finished number two. Yeah, so, I mean, having, having Burnt Mountain with, with Snowcat accessible when there's snow is they probably have the most tree skiing in New England, period. Best value, if you weren't value, what ski area are you, you looking towards? Best value. And that, and that, this is, again, subjective because there are a lot of places you can get value that aren't necessarily on this list. Mount Abrams. Mount Abrams is not on this list. Ragged Mountain is, okay. is number one. Bolton Valley, number two. Pat's Another Peak, good one. Burke and Magic Mountain. So in terms of the ones we did choose, it, it's... It's pretty good. Canon, JP, and Gunstock also received high grades. Best for logic. Who do you think has the best logic? 
Oh, you know what? Since I've spent quite a bit of time at at Spruce Peak, Stowe's Spruce Peak is at another level. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's like being in Beaver, like being in Beaver Creek or Vale. And I've spent, I lived out west. I've spent a lot of time in high end places. It is at a different level than anything else in New England. Yeah, when you walk in, it's got a feeling, right? There, there's just a, a sense of awe. I've been lucky enough to to be in the condominiums, the front four condominiums that overlook the front four. And my goodness, there is no better spot in New England if you're a ski bum to want to spend a night than than in one of those. Stowe finished number three, though. I can't believe it because I, I'm with you. I think Stowe is at the top of the list. Killington and Cranmore are number one and number two. And again, regard this as best for lodging doesn't necessarily have to mean the hotel, the resort itself, but sure, the sure. surrounding area. So you've got the Killington area, you've got North Conway, you've got Stowe, Bretton Woods, and Sugarloaf. So there was a pretty good roundup there. Best it's, for it's, on. It's, it's, it's kind of funny though, because when you talk about best for lodging, I, I do agree. Killington has a lot of different options, which is good, but Sugarloaf does not. Most most of it's private ownership, right. yep, so that's exactly. kind of that's kind of an interesting perception on people's parts, or that people like the on mountain lodging at Sugarloaf sure. versus sure. the on mountain lodging that's not available in a place like like Killington Man, or Killington exactly. Yeah. On resort dining, where who has the best on resort dining, and in this. It's may I, I can't speak for the food itself, like the same the food is, but in terms of the view, where would you go for a meal that is in the middle of just an exquisite landscape? Can I sneak north of the border? You can. You'd be wrong, but you can. Yes, please do. Okay. Les Massifs. Why? Are you sitting up on top overlooking the St. Lawrence River, and they serve European lunches. So it's a totally different experience. Le Massif wins, but but nope. From from there, I think sitting up top up top eating at Stowe, fantastic. Sitting yeah. up top eating at Killington, phenomenal. At at the lodge overlooking the Green Mountains, two of the best. Bretton Woods finished number one because yep. of the Rosebrook Lodge, which is sure. just from the few years it's existed, it's just one of the. Great, greatest developments in skiing area development that has been there. So they finished number one. Uh, again, I can't speak to the food, but as far as that being in that spot, it's a, if you, if you ever ski at Bread Woods, just pop your head in at any point. If you can get a table, God bless you, because it is a really, really popular place. I expect to wait an hour or, or more. Even if you're not skiing, my, my parents have gone up there and, and made a reservation. They're not skiing for the day. So it's a very popular place. If you want to grab some lunch there, pay attention and plan ahead of time. Other on-resort dining places, Sunny River, Killington, Sugarloaf, Cranmore, some of the best. Best in Apray, I don't think is any surprise when you think Apray, New England, one resort normally comes to mind. Uh, you've got an excess road full of yeah. full of Apray. Exactly. You, you know what? You can't, you can't choose... It's tough to figure out which one to stop at. <laughs> Beyond that is Cranmore, Stowe, Stratton, and Sunday River. Again, because of surrounding areas. Like Cranmore, Zips Pub is a great place. But then when you add in the entire North Conway surrounding area, the Apre definitely does have a vibe. And it's a great time. This was a big one. 
best in overall satisfaction. Best in overall satisfaction. And I think we may have discussed this on a previous episode. So you may be in on this one, but go ahead. Yeah, I I don't remember. But then again, I'm getting old. Best in overall satisfaction, I would probably say, I, I would put it Okimo. Saddleback? No. Oh, we did talk about it. Yes, Saddleback. Yep. yep. Saddleback, followed by Sunday River, Cranmore, Cannon, and Wachusett, which is a pretty good list there. But I think that Saddleback, I think just in the handful of years that Saddleback has been reopened to kind of gain this sort of respect from its clientele and not just its customers, but journalists and, and, and ski area reps as well, that sees Saddleback as this big renaissance in New England. And it's great to see that the sort of experience I saw there back in February when I went there for a, a week is common. Right. And that the other people that voted in this, in this survey saw the same sort of joy and sort of natural spirit that was evident throughout Rangley, Rangley. And it was just a, a phenomenal trip. And I'm, and I'm glad to see that that sort of, of, of fun that I had is reflected in this result. It, it is an incredible hill. And honestly, when you get up into Maine, up into that neck of the woods, the community is so excited to have Saddleback back on track that it shows. Yeah. It it totally shows. And it's it's if any of the listeners have never skied Saddleback, it is one of the great skiing mountains in New England. It's it's a story I followed quite closely during its dormancy for both the ski journal and the Boston Globe. And you're absolutely right. When I went up there in February, it's the first time I had been there since fall of, I think it was 2018, when the mountain was still going through a rumor a week that someone was going to buy the place and spruce it up and reopen it. So to see the sort of the, the, the spirit, spiritual change in just a four-year period was remarkable. So congrats to them. Oh, uh, good choice. Depth for accessibility. What's the easiest mountain to get to? Best for accessibility. Yeah. Blue Hills. <laughs> Come on, You're it's right off 95 and 93, right? Cannon okay. Mountain. Cannon. Yeah. I mean, I would... can't argue with that. The exit's right there. Same with Loon. You get off the yep. exit's right there. The traffic getting in there may be more of an issue, but here's a good one. Anatash, which I think is dead on, right? For accessibility? For accessibility, because now, mind you, it's not accessible in the way of, okay, I'm driving on you know, the Mass Pike and here's a ski area, but it is accessible from the fact that if you're driving 16, here's a ski area right there. Like it's right there along the highway. So I can see how it got that vote. Now, accessibility for someone driving from Rhode Island, it's not that easy, but you know, well, I, it, think it's not, I can it's, make the argument that the vote does, it does work there. It's Pleasant Mountain is accessible because it's right off the road. There's a lot like that. But the problem with Atitash is that you can't get there from here. And it's just from southern New Hampshire, I might as well drive to Stowe as drive to North Conway. Right, right. From that so, standpoint. So you don't like that one? No, no, I would. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my best accessibility is Whaleback. Mm -hmm. Whaleback's the most accessible. Again, yeah, same, same sort of feel as Canon. You get off right the edge. You can see it from the highway. You, you can get the anticipation running as you see it in the distance. I agree with you. 
Yeah. So it's, it's all perception of what accessibility is. I mean, Berkshire East, right on Route 2. Right. But, but from New England or from Boston, it's very difficult to get to. From Albany, it's not. Like Blue so, Hills is very easy for me to get to, but it's a little, little more of a hike for you. But yeah, I can get there in fifteen minutes. So it's 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 all perception. Okay, best for scenery, duh! It always wins. Well, I we got we got three, and it's really funny. You told me this is what your thoughts were on this podcast, and I came up with a lot of different ones. Mm-hmm. Okay, but. Wildcat, Brenton Woods, and Gunstock in my state are the three. They all have just incredible views. But then you go over, we, we never, ever think about this. When you're sitting at the top of Lincoln Peak at Sugarbush, and you look out, and you're looking at Mount, at Whiteface and Lake Champlain, yep. that's equally as stunning. The similar view you get from at, at both. And you're right. Same. It's one that we don't talk about at all. Like looking across to the Adirondacks is just really majestic. It, we, it's funny. We just, we, Adatas, not Adatas, Wildcat and Saddleback and Cannon and Bretton Woods, they do get all the, he- the headlines for good reason. They have majestically beautiful places. But I think you're dead on there talking about that view out to the West. Maybe it's because it's New York and we feel though threatened. Like we well, don't want to well, actually admit that New York has beauty. I don't know, but it is quite stunning. Well, better yet, if you climb to the top of Sugarbush and Lincoln Peak to the little observation tower up there, yeah. you can see everything that way on a clear day. You can look out at Mount Washington the other way. Remarkable. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sorry. That that is you gotta put it up there, but I, I get where looking out at Tuckerman's or looking out at Mount Washington from Brenton Woods and the hotel. Some of the best. Yeah, absolutely. This is the last one, last category we have, best for off-hill activities. And again, I'm looking at this and the one that immediately comes to my mind is Okimo because I think they have the most off-hill activities for families. They're not even in the top five. So Think openly about maybe it's not necessarily just the ski area, but again, the surrounding community. Yeah, I, w- I would look at anybody in the North Conway area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Stowe. Stowe. Stowe is another one. Really? Uh, followed by Killington and then Cranmore, which I, I, I agree with you. I think that, that Cranmore, Adatash, King Pine, Wildcat, Black Mountain yes. would all finish higher in this because it's such a hotbed of particularly Massachusetts traffic that, that is going up there. So it, it's funny to, to see that that Okimo's not even in the top five or, or receiving votes does surprise me based on, again, the number of families that go there and the number of families they attract on the Epic Pass. So others receiving high grades, Stratton, Sugarbush, King Pine, Waterville Valley, and Loon. And again, I think Waterville Valley and Loon is speaking to the Lincoln area. Um, and it's, it's yeah. really funny. Jay isn't there with their water park. Jay Peak finished number four. Number four, um, okay. So yeah, they, they do get respect for the water park because absolutely. I mean, if you haven't been to, I, I am not a big fan of water parks. I, I, I find them slimy and I always feel like I'm overheating. It's, it's gross, right? I love that water park. I will go there all the time. It is super clean. There's something about being indoors that you can smell the chlorine that kind of comforts you, right? That you're in a clean environment. The best part about that water park though is that 
we were lucky one time to have a room that overlooked it. So we had a big glass window that looked into the water park. And we saw them cleaning that place from close until it opened the next morning. I mean, we didn't watch the entire eight hours because we were sleeping. But most of the time we were looking out that window, they were cleaning something. So hats off to the JP crew and, and making that such a great attraction and one of the best off-hill activities you'll find in New England. That is it. That's the results from our 2023 best of edition. What, what do you think about some of the results? What are some of the things you'd like to see maybe next year? I, I guess I would like to possibly see some qualifications so people can, like I said, family ski areas. What is the best spot where you can leave a learn to and still have them know where they're at and feel comfortable? I, I think embracing a little bit more. And I think that's, that's a readership. The readers need to tell us that. That's what I think. I think the readers are, are next. I think we need to bring them into the discussion because they're right. Like when someone reaches out to me and says like, hey, where is Sugarbush on even terrain variety or overall satisfaction? That, that's a mountain that is clearly at the forefront of people's minds in those sort of categories. And they weren't in, in the results. So yes, I think bringing the readers in will sort of level the playing field sort of out and bring a great variety of, of ideas and opinions. Yeah, I, I think that's what I'd like. That's what I would like to see. Okay, and, Mike, so set that up. If you can have that all worked out, get the oh, yeah. system ready by, let's say, April 1 so I can test it. And then we'll, we'll put it on a marketing call to see if that is. So I think that's the plan. We're going we're gonna to figure all that out. Mike. As always, a pleasure. This was fun. We don't need any more guests. So next time, we'll just kind of just get rid of the guests, right? Well, well. first off, before we go anywhere, I want to give kudos to S- Stephen Kelly, and who is the new owner of Tenney Mountain, a good Boston boy, and also Dan Egan, who is the new general manager up there. I want to give those guys kudos for bringing Tenney back and the grand opening that they just had recently. Did you get to go? So I had an invite to the cocktail party and stuff, but I wasn't driving up with my knee and I had PT it that day. So unfortunately I was planning on going last minute. Some things changed. They get hit by the weather. Obviously everyone did. And what they ended up producing seems like it was really received well. So I saw some great shots of people having fun there. Hats off to them. And this weekend, they've actually got their, their big air thing going on. Well, yeah. So check them out at tenny.com. I believe it's today and tomorrow. So January 15th and 2nd. So well, the other, the other thing I want to tell the listener, as we, were, we are in the holiday weeks right here, Eric and I are both in different directions, but we do have some pretty good stuff coming up for you guys. We, Tenny Mountain will be coming on, Mad River Glen. With their anniversary, we'll be on. I have, yep. I have spoken to Kristen Ulmer from Pat's Peak fame, and she will be coming on. And we also have Wayne Wong, who's in the docket here. So there's a lot of fun things that are going to be coming. That's great. Awesome. Can't wait for it. Wayne Wong is, he's, he's great. He's a great interview. He's one of the, I've skied with Wayne before. It's one of my favorite things I can say. Like I skied with Wayne Wong. That's such a thing that 
opens the conversation that I'm a pretty cool guy to hang out with. Whoa. I mean, that's not for me to say. So, I mean, we'll, we'll let that, we'll let the audience decide that. Or maybe we'll just let that hang there. Anything else, Mike? Nope. I just want to, let's all start doing the snow dance here and the cold weather dance, please. It's time to get back to it and get back to winter. I don't want to wait another week. I want us to turn now and get moving. Yep. It's uh, it's now January. We can't say it's only December any longer. Bring on the winter. I mean, I don't, I don't want another season like last year. If we have to have another season like last year, it's like I'm going to kick it out. But I want that what you talked about, consistency. So let's get some snow. Let's get some cold. Let's get some, let's get some winter. Keep our fingers crossed. Mike, bring, thank you. Bring it always. on. Eric, okay, it's a, doing better. I'm doing better. It's always a pleasure. And I'll be back in the studio here very soon. So I will see you there. That's all for us. This is the New England Ski Journal Base Camp Podcast. I'm Eric Wilbur. You can reach me at eric.wilbur at skijournal.com. If you've got any suggestions, ideas for guests we can have in the near future, give me a shout. Let us know. We'll check it out. That is it for the Base Camp Podcast. We will see you next time. Take care. New England Ski Journal's Base Camp is a Siemens Media Podcast. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful.